You're listening to the Northeast Newscast, episode 104. On this week's episode of the Northeast Newscast, we are speaking with Tara Haskins, school leader at the Kansas City Girls Preparatory Academy, the first all-girl charter school in Kansas City. Haskins discusses the mission and vision behind KCGPA, the student curriculum, her previous work in education, and what she hopes KCGPA brings to the community. I'm the founding school leader of KC Girls Prep, and that's similar to a principal at, you know, a traditional school. Um, I always say I'm a facilitator of learning. <laughs> so I, I help our teachers learn and grow, and I help um, just collaborate with our community and our staff members to make sure we're building a strong foundation at the school that's just going to last generations after us. So tell us a little bit about what the goal and mission of the Girls Prep Academy is for the community. So our mission is for our young women to discover their voice. As you know, we are explicitly anti-racist and feminist. And what that means is our girls have to recognize that their voice matters. They have to use their voice to write their own story and their own narrative. When we look at just the stories that have been written, not just about women, but young women of color, it's often false. And it doesn't include all of the rich history that comes with being a woman and a woman of color. And so when our girls discover their voice, we know they're able to dismantle these systems that are oppressing not just their voice, but their community. And so the most important thing is for them to lead their meaningful and impactful life. I always say our family community engagement coordinator is living our mission. She is from Kansas City. Um, She is like a third generation educator. She went to Howard University for college. So she found her gift, but she brought it back to her community. And that's what we want for all of our girls. Once they've discovered who they are, because it's a journey, I tell them all the time, I'm an adult and I'm still discovering who I am. But once you've found your gift, because we all have it, you bring it back to your community. And of course, we want our girls to be able to have the tools necessary to succeed in a four-year college of their choice. That's if they choose. We want them to know that this is an option for you because education gives you choices and we don't want any barrier that will prevent our students from entering that. So I was at the um, ribbon cutting. Yay. Yes, it was fantastic. I like started crying a little bit because I thought it was so beautiful. Thank you. (laughs) Now, one thing that you said during the ribbon cutting was how the girls are finding their voice and you're kind of helping them and leading them in that. And you said, so the first week you kind of just let the girls get used to the space with the staff and everybody kind of get used to each other. And you said that you realized that the girls knew that they had a voice and they didn't really have to discover it, that they already realized, hey, we have a voice, we're going to use it. So tell us a little bit about the students that you have kind of what you meant when you said that our students are so special they make my heart smile in so many ways they're kind they are very outspoken and so it was one of our our first lessons we believe in honoring one voice not just because I'm an adult but because I'm a person and we want to honor your voice but when we got to the root of it we share that in society sadly outside of this space people aren't going to listen to you not only are you a young girl but most of our students are young women of color and because of that people aren't going to listen to you but in this space we honor each other's voices. So when our teammate is talking or someone in your class is talking, you stop, you attune to their voice, not just by listening, but with your body. Because we can commit to honoring each other's voices here so that when you leave this space, you expect that same thing. And our girls have a voice, they use it all the time. They're helping mold our school and they're helping make it better. I think it goes back to some people believe it's my job to empower the youth. No, our job is just to hold up a mirror and show them they already have the tools to empower themselves. And that's really what education is about. Showing our students and most importantly showing the community, you have the tools. You are our kids' first teachers. Before students came to our school, parents were their first teachers, neighbors down the street were their first teachers. We are just building on the strong foundation that the community has already set for our young women. Okay, so I want to talk a little bit about um, your first two weeks because I know that you've already completed your first two weeks 
Yes. <laughs> so I want to hear all about it, kind of how it went, and really how this is going to set up for the rest of the year. This is the first time Kansas City has ever had an all-girls charter school. So I kind of want to know what the first two weeks looked like. So our very first day, we learned together in the cafeteria. So instead of going to the classroom, the cafeteria was our classroom. We learned as a community first who we are in this space. So of course, we had team building, learning about each other. But we took part of our mission and we asked ourselves, what does this look like? Why are we here and why is this important? And throughout the week, each of our teachers, we broke into small groups, paired teachers so they can learn from each other and building off each other. But we did, what do our routines and procedures look like? And we tied it back to our commitments and our habits. We have certain habits and commitments as a school that, for example, one of them is I'm speaking from the head but using my heart. And so our impacts of words and actions, like we want to be truthful, but we have to use our heart. And so that was a lesson in like what it looked like through whether it be through storybook or real life was going on in the world, not just what it looks like, but why is it important that we do it? So, you know, most schools are like, we have values. What do these values look like in this space? And how do they connect to me? And how do these values connect to others? And how do they connect to my community? And we took the time to model that and why even walking in the hallway, our girls have free passing period, which was really hard for our kids. They're like, wait, I can just walk. You don't have to walk me in lines. No, you need to practice managing your time. You need to practice managing yourself because you're you're a child. Yes, but still, I need to give you the space to make mistakes, a safe space to make mistakes and learn from them so that as you get older and progress, you already know how to learn from mistakes and it's not as shocking to you. So we really spent that time building community and learning each other, um, team building about three activities a day. And then even them organizing themselves, like they have binders and they have homework every night. And what does that look like in teaching our kids these things? Let's get into that a little bit. So tell us a little bit about what the curriculum looks like. And then I know you guys also have or you offer your girls some extracurricular activities or I don't know if you call them extracurricular. I'm not sure what you refer them to. But tell us a little bit about what the curriculum looks like, the day to day time and then anything extra that you offer them. Yes, I am really excited about our curriculum because the main thing is we make it applicable to real life. So our humanities class starts, our first unit is about indigenous people, which makes, as a former history teacher, I love that our girls are really looking at starting not just American history, we're going to start with indigenous people. And we're going to look at as a culture, it was such a strong and rich culture, and why it's so important to not tell this story from a point of oppression. We're going to learn about the beauty of this culture, and we're going to see the impact of systemic things on this culture, and how it transfers to today today's society. I know their humanities teacher is amazing. I I left class one day and I was like, why are all the kids writing letters? And the kids are like, well, the rainforest. We're writing to the president about our rainforest and how America needs to step up. And I was like, wow. But she facilitated that learning. The girls already had ideas about it. She just laid the facts out. Mm-hmm. It is not our job to teach kids what to think. It is our job to teach them how to think. And so many, much of our curriculum develops that critical lens with their girls when they look at things and they ask why and how and how can I make this better? And even down to our math class, they start with a real world problem. And before they even find the words on how to solve it, the, teachers, the teacher literally goes, what do we notice? What else do we notice? What else do you see? And then she's like, and a student will speak and she's like, that's actually our lesson today. Let's continue. But it, it goes back to the belief that the answers are already in the room and our teachers are just facilitating that learning. So we actually have math twice a day. They get to learn the concepts and then they get to apply it real world. And also for our girls to be those engineers, for our girls to be those scientists, they need to have a strong math background and they need to learn how to think critically and get a deep conceptual knowledge. So we do have double math for our girls. And of course, a STEAM class, there are very few women and very few women of color in the STEAM fields. And so again, a student told me, I never forget, I asked, if you can learn anything, what do you want to learn? 
I want to learn how to build cars. I say this story all the time. I'm like, cars may not be in our budget, but I made a commitment to her that she would learn the skill set to know how to make cars better. She will know, know how to look at something and ask, how is this making my community better? And how can I make this accessible for my community? And there's so many amazing things. I'm, you know, I'm new to Kansas City, and there are so many amazing things happening in education here. And that's what we love. We love just going to, we're not about my school's better than your school's, we're just about good schools. So what resources do we have that we can share? What resources, what's working for you? Hey, by all means, shoot me an email. We can sit down and talk. How can we share these resources? Because at the end of the day, it's enriching the lives of children. Because we are a STEAM school, arts is an important part of our model. So twice a week, the girls can go to theater, visual arts or drumming, where they learn African drumming, Caribbean drumming, Brazilian drumming, um, just for them to express themselves. And they do that every Monday and Wednesday. To balance that on Tuesdays and Thursdays, they have an athletics. We are very fortunate to partner with Girls on the Run, just a phenomenal organization. And the director is so intentional about her coaches. A mom, it just proves that her representation matters. A mom sent a note saying, my daughter came home and told me her coaches look like her. And one may even be biracial like me. And I just had to give her that, the director, like, thank you. Thank you for being intentional on who our girls, who they see in front of them. Just thank you. And so they have, um, they can either go to Girls on the Run or Global FC, which is an amazing soccer program. For a lot of our students, when the coaches came in, they're like, oh, hey again. So organizations that are already in the Kansas City community that families already know are just a nice balance for our girls. Let's talk a little bit about the teachers because you kind of mentioned some of the coaches and the humanities teacher and what they were doing. Um, So tell us a little bit about what the staff looks like and kind of how they came to be part of the team at the Girls Prep Academy. So our staff, we just set, just we heard from parents, multiple parents, almost every meeting I was in, I want someone who looks like my daughter. My daughter goes to school and none of her teachers look like her. And I heard that almost at every single family dinner. Mm -hmm. And just as a child growing up, I look for myself. I'm a military child. I've lived all over. I never had a teacher who looked like me until I went to a historical black college or university and always tried to find myself in schools. And to hear from families, like I I was in elementary and middle school years ago, and it's still a concern for families. And so it was a priority for us. We did set a benchmark. We wanted our staff. We looked at every hiring process. We wanted a certain number of not just women, but women of color before we made an offer. Not to say we prioritized, but we if it was a priority, we would ask ourselves, are we really looking everywhere? Are we really looking in every group? Are we looking at every organization? Because there are biases you have in hiring that you don't realize until you really look at the numbers and the data. So we're really fortunate to have, right now our staff is all women, minus our CEO, who always says like, hey, as a man, maybe this is just my opinion. <laughs> all women right now, we are, contrary to popular belief, we do want more men in the classroom room it's important that our girls learn how to build positive relationships with men it's so important just for our first year all women and right now we're not quite at our mark but still over 50 percent of our staff are women of color and so we are still growing in that it's something we keep as a priority because it's what our family shared they wanted. And so I'm really fortunate. We have teachers from all over the country. We even have teachers right here from Kansas City who have taught in Kansas City or are from Kansas City. One of our teachers went to Lincoln. It's right here in the area. Now she's teaching, again, living our mission. You are back giving your gift to the community that helped you become an educator. And you're giving it right back to another generation of young women. So I know that you mentioned you are new to Kansas City. I did read a brief portion of your bio. It mentioned your work in Louisiana. Unsure what it was called, but I think it was some sort of middle school girls group. Mm -hmm. Is that correct? Okay. So talk a little bit about that and maybe how you're bringing your previous experience Mm -hmm. to the table at the Girls Prep Academy. 
I've been really fortunate. I always say my steps were ordered in Shreveport, Louisiana, the most amazing experience of my life. I tell people all the time it's surprising, but I loved it. From there, I learned the value of community. I moved to a place where I knew no one, but I noticed that when you love children, the community will love you. And I learned when you bring the community into the classroom, oh, you're unstoppable as an educator because it's truly a village approach. But there I I founded an all-girls mentoring program. I looked around at the school and I was like, wow, I noticed my boys were getting all of this attention. And I love my young men. I noticed when they made poor choices, they had support. And I noticed when my girls made poor choices, they were just told to act like a lady and they were expected to fix it. And so I sat down with my principal and an amazing student activities coordinator and I said this is the vision that I have for young women and I looked I said as a young woman of color I'm progressing but if I'm leaving my young girls behind what is the point of me growing and learning and so they approved this program and we went on um college trips together these I love these I get emotional because they are now in college and one of my students we went to Wiley College I'll never forget I went back to her high school graduation she was the valedictorian And to watch this girl to where we practice, like, I love myself, so I'm going to advocate for myself with my words, and I'm going to speak my mind. The student who would, like, cry whenever she had to speak in front of the class was giving a valedictorian speech. She's now at Wiley College in her second year. So it's like, wow, I remember when you were in middle school, we went and visited this college. And it just, it shows the power of community and that our young girls have so much magic in them. And you literally just have to hold up a mirror sometimes or join parents and like, look at all that you have and make a commitment for them to get there. And that sparked my interest. I left Louisiana, hard decision, but I moved to Houston where I worked at an all girls charter school. Same premise for this. Um, As far as no tuition, no test for the girls to get in, just serving a community of young women in Houston where it did not exist. And so from there, I was a teacher, a dean and an assistant principal. And that's where I saw this school wide where it was single gender, having advisory, building with the community and really focusing on what does it mean to have sisterhood with a purpose. And then now to be able to share this model that I've seen change a group of girls a community of students bring it here to Kansas City is so magical. Some of my girls are actually in their first two weeks of college together. Two of them are both first-generation college students, and they're at Texas A&M and roommates together. But they're starting this journey that's the first for them in their family, but they're not doing it alone. And that's what this work looks like and why it's so important. They realize I'm not alone in this, but they also realize the importance of what they're doing and the impact it's going to have on their community. So tell me a little bit about what the uh, restorative justice program looks like at the Girls Prep Academy. I think the first thing, our restorative practices start with the belief that we start with relationships to be proactive. Building relationships is so important with our students, building positive relationships with each other. So in our model, we have something called pride, like Alliance Pride, to where we're all together, we're all learning together, we're growing together. And our pride is led by a mentor or one of our teachers. And the lessons are intentionally designed to where I first discover my story and parts of my story, and I share my story with my fellow pride. It's like maximum 16 girls. And every day, 30 minutes, Monday through Thursday, an hour on Friday. It's protected time. It's not homework time. It's not chill time. We are learning and growing together. Being a kid is hard. Being a young woman is hard. But we want to acknowledge that your story is your story. And by sharing that, girls form resonance. Like, oh, I've had that experience too. I've shared that too. 
too. Or, and we celebrate each other. When you have a celebration or if you have, we call it work. If you have work, we even ask who can support her in this work, whether it be checking in on her, following up with her. And we navigate that. And that's the proactive. That's where most of our time goes in. And reactive is something happens. We don't let it fester. We take the time to repair harm to where you get to share in a safe space, still facilitated by an adult. This is what happened. This is how I felt. This was the impact that your actions or your words had on me. And the most important thing we come together as a community is what do you think are the next best steps? And that's built into our model. Um, We've already had a few restorative conversations, but even students are like, wow. Like one student on Friday, Miss Haskins, I shared how I felt with my pride. I was like, wow, how are you feeling? I feel so much better. But like, yeah, as women, I I keep thinking women, but women of color are often told we can't share how we feel because we're thought to be angry. Or as women, we're, we're too sensitive. And so we keep our feelings inside and then it explodes. But to show and normalize they're your feelings and they're always valid. But going back to we're going to honor your voice and honor your feelings. We're going to just creating a space for that to happen. Who likes dealing with conflict in itself? Like your body physically shuts down. Fight or flight, right? So it's how to teach them to face it forward and ask for help when you need it. So one of my last questions, what do you hope the Girls Prep Academy brings to the community, but not even just Northeast area, but really Kansas City in general? Oh, I know you gave me the question before, and it's so hard. <laughs> you can take your time to think about it. I always think of two things. Um, the first is our young women are going to change the world, period. I know I look at them and it's it's hard to explain. Most educators get them like I see her at 30. I see her speaking out. I see her in a space writing laws. I see her educating the next group of women. They're going to bring change to our community with their new ideas or they're going to learn how to develop that critical lens and say actually what's working in this community that we can keep growing and we can keep learning or what needs to change. So they're going to help dismantle some systems, some oppressive systems that don't just exist in Kansas City, but exist in our country because they now have first, they know my voice matters and you're going to honor and respect my voice no matter what space I'm in. Most importantly, they're going to look to their left and their right and they're going to make sure their community is moving up with them. And that's the main thing. And the next thing is um, educators. I am very passionate about helping develop teachers And right now, when I look at the education pipeline, there are very few educators of color. There are very few Latinx educators right now in the pipeline. I remember sitting and becoming frustrated. I remember calling my mommy. My my mom's first generation. My grandmother's from La Ciudad Honduras. And I remember like, mommy, I don't have any teachers who just look like my girls. She was like, well, mira, are you looking here? What else are you looking? Look, you need me to write something? Because I don't speak Spanish. You need me to write something? You need me to call somebody? No, mommy. But I remember just becoming so frustrated. But I, I know it's important that our girls see themselves in their teachers. So I'm really passionate about those two. I think Casey Girls Prep is going to help just work with other community. Like the Latinx Collaborative is an organization that that is their goal. So collaborating with other organizations to get more educators and also access to high quality teacher development. Most educators, they have it. The lack of access to programs or just the research on education and continuing to learn from like you shared frontier or other schools who are doing amazing things at their schools and helping to just share it with the world so they can see that this model works we're fortunate to be part of the student leadership network a network of 20 some odd schools in the country where this works and we can show that it can happen here in kansas city it can be tuition free it can be interview free test free if you just serve the students that your community has and serving the students is your goal be able to shed light that the impact that this has on not just your community but the world thank you for allowing us to spread our message and just making sure that we're always with our community in every step that we do do you have any parting thoughts anything that you want to add that we did not talk about or that you think is important for the residents or kansas city to know 
I think it's important to know that Casey Girls Prep, while we are starting with fifth grade only this year, we are growing one year at a time, slow for a reason, to build that community. We're just really grateful for the community for welcoming us to look out at our ribbon cutting standing room only. Our girls saw that this community is supporting them. So just thank you and thank you for spreading our message. And I think that's all. All right. Well, thank you so much. Thank you. And that was Tara Haskins, school leader with the Kansas City Girls Preparatory Academy. Thank you for tuning in to this week's episode of the Northeast Newscast. I'm Elizabeth Orozco.